Okay. Okay, when and how did you meet your husband? I met Jim uh, again the summer before I went to Penn State. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he, at Lake Erie, where we've been going since we've been 22 months old, and his family had uh, a place in the Point, and we had a place in the Bay, and there were very good friends of his who, who were renting a place near ours, and so they came down, we visited, and had a hilarious time with him, and he said, gee, I'll have to show you Penn State, and that's when I saw him. Uh, he came and showed me around Penn State, we just had a wonderful time, and uh, and again, I was dating him a little bit, but then ran into this young man right. who I knew okay. and so on. And then it wasn't until I, I guess I was a senior. Um, I was actually dating because I had broken up then with this young man. It was very hard for me and for him, too. Uh, but by my senior year, I had met some um, very interesting people. I, I was really moving along then in my studies and found out, too, that I was intensely captivated by world religions. You know, we talked, and, and, and Buddhism, I was this, you know, uh, and Judaism and so on. I, I just, each one had its thing, and again, Houston Smith and so on. So as I was going through my, uh, I just was intensely interested in, in all of those and the philosophy and so on and, and remember it well and remember experiencing um, letting myself experience you know, thinking about Zen and the Cohen and so on it, it was really cool and, and the Theravada and Mary, Mahayana Buddhism and so on so I was uh, thinking about all the different ways that people meet the spiritual and how, how it lives and so on um, so then by the time I was um a senior, I was dating some very interesting, Jimmy, I kind of still, but uh, also an, a Jewish, Steve Weinstein was his name, and um, the summer before my senior year, spent a lot of time with Steve, and uh, he was a brilliant young man, and we really cared. What I loved about him was our friendship, and knowing how differently and knowing that that in fact it wouldn't go anywhere because he was to marry a Jewish woman and so it, it wasn't that but we really cared deeply and it was again this difference honoring difference and um, and not sabotaging either not getting myself into a relationship in which I knew it wouldn't go anywhere do you know what I'm saying mm -hmm. but really um, I really liked him and I liked him um, physically. He never pushed himself on me, or any. And those terrible books, I was still kind of winding away from those experiences. So, I mean, not that we ever made love or anything, but I just remember he was very tender with me. We kissed. There was no more than that, but I, I felt um, there was a wonderful connection with him, and I felt a friendship connection with him, which I was really happy about. Again, you remember, I'm trying to think this thing's going away. And it wasn't until I was a senior that I wrote my autobiography and really put at Penn State in this one class. And by then, Joni and I were, my twin sister and I were, were very active in the university. And was, I was president of the Women's Recreation Association of 5,000 women, and, and they wanted me to run for another. I mean, I, I, even though Penn State was very large, I, 
you know, when you're there for several years, it's, and again, this, this intensity also of running away from yourself. So you get all involved in organizations. I also was in sorority, and the reason why I'm bringing this up is that all of this plays into how I just w couldn't handle the whole thing of being in one, just like world religions. A real respect to being in one, but being in many. And so I began to live that out, and, and they did an unheard of thing. The Delta Gammas, even though I was a Kappa Kappa Gamma, they made me an honorary DG. I mean, I just didn't, I just didn't have, and I even challenged the whole thing of the sorority system and so on. There, there was, and I think it's because I'm lesbian that I was able to see through some of this stuff that I wouldn't have otherwise, but there's no name. So with Jimmy and I then, by my senior year, even though dating these other people and so on, it was really Jimmy, I'll never forget he came home from, he had gone into the Navy, he was in officer's candidate school up in Newport, Vernon, and he came off the plane and um, he came home and evidently he had had a talk with his father um, that he really loved me and so on. Um, I had also gone to Europe that summer before and he had written to me and I hadn't written to him and he, he said he had put my picture away. He was angry. Uh, but I didn't know how I felt about him. So I, I was trying to be true. I mean, all this stuff I remember. And, and he... Um, he got off the plane, and he met me, and we went to my house, and his father had said to him, he said, Dad, even the, the first time he had met me, he said he went home to his mother and said, I know the woman that I want to marry, but she will never marry me. And that was that summer before he had actually gone home and said that to his mother at the lake. So, but of course, I didn't know any of that. And, and I remember coming to our home, and uh, my mother and dad liked him very much. He was very sweet and... And what I loved about Jim um, was his honesty about his family. And I liked him as a friend. I also liked his family. And in this, I felt that I didn't have to be anyone but myself with them. And his father, our mother, I, they had this wonderful wide porch. They'd been in Torrington, Pennsylvania for years and years. He was the optometrist there, his dad, for years and years, and had two offices, and his mom, I mean, um, and his mother was alcoholic. I loved his mother, uh, and his dad, and his sister, and I, I'll never forget meeting them, and just, I just walked in their house, and it was like, oh, yeah, these people are so good. That's what I felt, they, just good people. And um, so his father had said, to him, well, if you love her, and this is who you want to spend your life, what is the worst thing that could happen? You could ask her to marry you. And so I remember coming home, and I don't know if it was that night or not, after Jim and I sat, and, and again I was dating this other, this seminarian from Yale, but no connection with him, but yet trying. But with Jimmy, this was my friend, and he, he looked at me and said, um, you know, he asked me to marry him, and I was like, and I told him, well, Jimmy, you know that I want to go to seminary and I want to do this and that. And he said, well, I know that and I love that. And by the way, no other young man that I dated ever took seriously my call or said, you're too much fun, this wouldn't work, was threatened even not understanding their own faith, saying that I would love God more than them and all. I mean, I, it was so ludicrous for me. But Jimmy Spar was the first one who said, 
I get this. Do what you want to do. And even when I took him to the senior prom, and this was, I guess, my senior year and so on too, I remember him sending me flowers and saying, uh, no, I guess it was my junior, I, I can't remember, I guess it was before this. Um, I want to be with you and people who love you. You know, I, I like your work, some, you know, just something, I want to be with you. I, I want to share this with you. Kind of so he always, um, there was a kindness about you that, that, that I loved and that, um, so, so he asked me to marry him. That was in the spring. And this is in December. This is December of my senior year. December. Yeah, and I, I said to him, I told him all the things that I wanted to do and so on. And then, you know, it was, it was like, um, I said to him, yes, yeah, if you want to do this with me and I would be with you with your Navy career and so on. And I said, yes, well, oh, my God, I'm over death this day. He, came, he, he was just shriek. I mean, he was so happy. And, and his uh, face, and, you know, it was so sweet because I remember uh, his, um, the next night he came. Th this one, he came with flowers from my family and celebration, a gift from my sister. I mean, the whole thing. It was... But I knew he would do that because that's how his family is. You know, it was mm -hmm. it. Um, <clears throat> so I said yes, and um, with that, very clear that he took seriously what, that I was going to do seminary, that we would work out this Navy thing and, and probably be in the East Coast. That and that's when I applied to the East Coast because he had hoped to be in submarine in New Haven. And that would have been perfect for Yale, and that's what Harshberger wanted me to do. So I had then applied to all the East Coast seminaries. And um, by spring, what was it? We, well, when we, we heard that he was going to, I'd applied to the East Coast, and then we thought, well, I guess I should apply to the West Coast just in case, because you never know. You put in your dream sheet, but your dream sheet doesn't. That doesn't mean, you know, you get it or you don't. So all I had done then was put in everything there all over the country. And um, graduated from Penn State. And I guess when was it? I guess I, I realized then that Jimmy, Jimmy was sent to San Diego. And that's when I... He was sent to San Diego. San Diego. And that's when I was... Um, and that's when I just either wrote to other seminaries or whatever and said, and sent and Selma, I could be called sent and Selma. And they said, oh, come on, come on, we'd love to have you here. So Jim went into the Navy, and we were married in 1964. And what I remember about that wedding was, uh, it was in- late 64 to, was that the first year in seminary or between? No, I didn't start seminary till 64, 65. This was uh, December, we were married December 28, 1964. That fall, after I had finished it at Penn State, um, Jim went to San Diego and I went out to visit him several times, but the fall was really spent um, 
his mother, my, my family. And what I remember, my mother and dad, and so I'm being there at home, because I haven't been at home, you know, um, was preparing for this wedding, which was a huge thing. And I looked at that as I look at it years later, and I had 12 bridesmaids. And he had 12 ushers, and his ushers were all in the country, mine were, you know, people that Where was the time was it First Presbyterian? It was so large in uh, Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh that we moved it not in Watson Church, but in yeah, about yeah in Pittsburgh. And so, um, and it was the Monday after Christmas, and so they even had a transportation thing. So we had to, they chartered a bus. Uh, they they wouldn't even allow limousines. There were so many people coming. So they, this huge bus of all the wedding party coming. It was just it was fabulous. And then we went to, uh, but. I remember about the wedding is that Jimmy even had shined the bottom of the soles of his feet, you know, so that, so that when he nailed I mean, it was so sweet. And, um, but again, I remember the kindness of this man. And at the wedding itself, just before I went down the aisle, oh, in the meantime, I had talked with Jimmy about all the people that I had known and loved and the women. And, but, oh, when I wrote this autobiography, um, this therapist said, please come and see me. And um, said to me, well, I'd like to tape you. We don't get this very often. And feeling more and more isolated. Mm -hmm. And um, saying, so I said to him, this man is asking to marry me. So even before, um, in saying with Jimmy, this man had said to me, don't worry, you'll, it's just a phase, you'll grow out of it. So I believe this therapist. You believe the therapist? I believe the therapist because they must know. You see, that's when you give your power over again. And they must know that. It's just a phase. It's just something that people grow out of. And you're going to marry Jim Spar, so I said, well, "Gee, Jimmy, you know." So you believed him, but then you told you told Jimmy before Every, you married him about the relationship with the women. Did that? Just, did that? Well, well we didn't know. Or, or he red. just said, "Whoa, these are fabulous women." He knew some of them. Janie, those are fabulous. I think you've made more love with women than I have. He says. I mean, he was a rock. I mean, what did we know? That's what I'm talking about, Dick. We were so naive. And I was told, Dick, that I was just compassionate and love people. Not, you know, when I told you, well, well good well, for you. It was, it was very naive. And there is, but there is this, uh, this other experience. I, I was at a conference in San Francisco and talked about having very, one of those negative experiences with men that you had at one point in Boston. Yeah. And ran from those and had a very, very touching experience in college with another woman. Yeah. Uh, began to think that maybe she was lesbian yeah, because she was. this woman was so loving yeah. to her. And, and again, the word kindness and gentleness comes in. Yeah. But after a couple of years, uh, yeah. it, it, she, she then met another man who was totally different pattern. Yes, kind, exactly. A gentleman. Yeah. And she realized, no, it wasn't. Yeah. So, not in the sense that this was a, a stage, but yes. that... Yes, yeah, so people sure, are abused, and we get that too. Clear about her exactly. And that's when we talk about this continuum. The continuum that uh, Kinsey scale and so on, is the thing is, what we're finding out now is that people are finding out that there's lots of bisexual people, and that people are falling in love with people, and it doesn't matter what their gender is. And that's what I'm seeing more and more. Um, more and more in the last three or four years as people come out about being bisexual. Um, 
is that people say, for instance, I'm a you know I'm a bisexual woman in a heterosexual relationship, or I'm a whatever. And I, I think in certain in prison populations and so on, you find this too, where it's it's a situational thing and so on, uh, where you love a man, a woman, and so on. Um, but, but I think for those of us that are truly lesbian and gay, or those of us that are true as much heterosexual and not in that in-between thing, mm -hmm. um, I think it was such a relief for me. I, I know that I'm not bisexual. That doesn't mean that I don't think men are attractive or nice yeah. and something like that. But, oh, God, to finally find that meeting place inside and the God place is really for me. Because I think, Dick, we can make love with anyone, in a way. And Jimmy's really cute. Jimmy is... is Hopelessly, as he said, heterosexual. I mean, in trying to understand where I was and so on again, I mean, he even thought of, oh God, maybe I should feel this experience of being with a man that just can't do it. Same with Jackie Spar. Just don't feel it, you know, kind of thing. So, how much do you do It's his wife. You know, just saying, God, Jenny, you know, I'm close to my friends, but I'm just hopelessly heterosexual and so on. So, I think it's really good. And to see where we are in that continuum and honor it. We have several people who have come to me who thought they were lesbian or gay and are really bisexual and move through a situation. It sounded like the woman you're talking about, though, was truly heterosexual and just had some very bad relationships mm -hmm. with men and so on. And certainly but it was that. beautiful that for a time, she was and I don't know about the other, what the other person was, she just talked about this and the, and the, and the safety that she felt with this, you know, yeah. this other woman holding her arms. This is what lesbian gay people have to be careful of, however as sometimes it's in to do this for heterosexual people. Not this woman, but then we are left devastated. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes. It's like people say, well, you know, well, God, maybe I am or whatever, and then they do this, and then I get some of the people that have been so devastated yeah. by people so they experimenting. Get used, they get used by, by uh, heterosexual people heterosexual say, I might try this. Either my... consciously or unconsciously. Exactly, exactly. And then, then we have to help heal them through incredible stuff. So, but but I think that's the continuum thing, and I think now that we know so much more, we're much wiser also. For instance, um, for me, going through, I always was with women who had, who were married or, or whatever until I could get my own voice, until I could get through it, because uh, I couldn't face just walking right in and being lesbian, and and being in a fully out lesbian relationship, fell in love with people who were in relationship or or whatever, um, the closet kills us. That's the thing I think it's been for me. Um, not healthy behavior. I think closet breeds unhealthy behavior. Because what happens, Dick, is because we have been defined as only sexual, you see what I'm saying? Then you think you have to act that way. So the great relief for me in loving Connie's staff is that I don't have to perform. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? Well, yeah, well, I, the other thing is that I feel, I get uncomfortable when people say sexual, and I think sometimes what they kind of mean is, is almost genital. And I have to say that yeah. as, a, uh, as a heterosexual male, um, I find myself I would have to say, sexually involved with a lot of men, not faithful in my life. Exactly. I don't sleep with anybody else. I don't have intercourse or anything like that. But if I'm talking to a woman that I am attracted to, 
I'm sorry, that is a sexual thing. And there's a, there are limits to it, and I don't try not to take advantage of it or bleed people out or anything else. But that's not like just a friendship. It's not the same as No, it's not. Else. So. But I think what the clo- coming out of the closet did is the difference in what I mean by this is in coming out of the closet, we, le- we lead lives of integrity. Mm-hmm. Oh, because the thing is, until then, because you are told or defined, that's um, the rabbi talked about this last time. You're told sexual, only this, you're perverted, you're you know, all this kind of thing and something. To that, that is in, it becomes in your being kind of thing. You begin to, to believe all that shit that people say about you mm-hmm. and so on. So the thing is, you think, oh my God, is this, is this how I'm to, what is it to be lesbian? And everybody has to find out what it means for them. For me, um, it is in being lesbian that I finally can live this life of integrity. Now, that doesn't mean, however, I think good communion with people many times means there is sexual attraction if you're, if you're really opening yourself to feel everything. Sure. But what you say is, you know, great. Isn't this great? Thank you, God. Thank you, God. I'm alive. And... I'm not going to act on this, you know, and and you do, you you feel that, and then at other times you don't, and I think for me, it's like with Connie, I mean, it's very clear for me, I will never, ever, I mean, as much as I can say that and do do that, um, go against what we have, and that would be, because it gets messy, it's a mess. It, it can be it can be messy. So 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 for me, uh, you're right. It's it's this. Uh, but see, I can live into that because now I understand what lesbian is. One of the many ways that, that you know that my deepest part is met by a woman and not by a man. But look how uh, look how long it took me. Let me. I want to divert just a minute yeah. because it's a, it's kind of the next question. Long way from the back to the uh, your wedding and your marriage, but. Uh, I need some help, and I probably ought to read something at some point with the bisexual thing. Yes. Uh, in the sense that, uh, you know, I've heard you and other lesbian and gay men say, uh, this is what God has made you. And I'm reading more and more about the genetic basis exactly. and so forth. And but when I when I read about or when I think about a bisexual person, it sounds more to me as if this is a person who simply, you know, can choose, you know, a man here, a woman here, and so forth. And I think, can that person say, well, God made me bisexual, and what does that do to the whole concept of? Fidelity in relationships. Okay. Well, I, I just, I don't, I don't. I want you to, there's a book out called B.I. By Any Other Name. And there's nothing like, also in San Francisco, um, you might call the Bisexual Network. And okay. I have a well, who's, who's the By Any Other Name? Um, no. no, I don't, but we ha- I think we have a copy of it right here at the downtown church. Jenny may very well have it here. Um, because this is the next closet, you see. This is what I found out. Um, yes, I think God makes people bisexual too. And there's so much mythology around bisexuality that that people are afraid to say they're bisexual. For instance, 
when we had people who wrote in this book, my friend had a story wrote in the book. There were people, honest to God, at this at this bookstore, in which there were a group of us sitting there listening to the bisexual people, and there were people all around looking at books, but you know they were listening to the speakers, but they wouldn't sit down. Didn't even want to be identified that they were there, because it's this fear of what people think about them. I'm going to give you the name of a wonderful bisexual man to talk to as well, that you can talk to. His name is Kenny Altman. He is a bisexual man in a gay relationship. Okay. I had a ther- two therapists that ran my uh, a group. My one is a bisexual woman in a heterosexual relationship. What it means is that they can fall in love with someone. It doesn't matter what their gender is. And it's a person. Do you know what I'm saying? It isn't that they're, uh, you know. Uh, so I want, I, I will give you names of people to talk to, and I think if you read by Where is then, Ken? Kenny's in California. Okay. And I'm, I'm, they may very well have a bisexual network where you are. Well, I may be up to California this summer, too. Okay. San Francisco has the bisexual network, and so it mm-hmm. would just be great for you to talk to some people who could, who could give some. For instance, Kathleen Buckler, who is the, the pastor up here in. Uh, yes, I talked to her. Yeah. Kathleen is bisexual. Uh-huh. Ka- Kathleen is very clear. She is a bisexual woman. She would be wonderful to talk to. She is a bisexual woman in a lesbian relationship. Okay? Susan is her partner. You told me a little bit about her, and I, I was trying to remember, and Pat said, yeah, Jane said something about that. And, uh, uh, and, and Burlington. Mentioned her. I couldn't remember her name or anything. I have her she number. She said she's got freckles all over her face and she's, she's really tiny. Darling. So I was sitting there in Christian and I looked around at this woman sitting in the back row and I said, That's a chance. But And then somebody gave me the name, so I had the name, and so I came up to her and I said, By any chance, are you is it Kathleen? Yeah. Kathleen Buckley. And she said, Yes. And so James Cross thought she could you up. And so she, we had a nice little. I would ask her about that, about bisexuality, I, especially since you've met her. And Kenny will talk to you for days on it, so I mean, it's just great. But I, it's um, obviously that would not be a problem if I said that James oh. Barr indicated that you were bisexual. And I'm oh, absolutely not. Because she was very open with me and said she came out and resigned from her yeah. position, so that she would. They're not going be through hell. They are, Susan and Kathleen, because of just the horrendous stuff because of the man. Because, because of what? Of, well, because of her, you know, how do you find a new position? This is what you think. You, you know this. I mean, she can't. That's she can't. the problem. No. And Susan I mean, was working for AIDS work, and now her, her job was cut. I mean, it's just uh-huh. phenomenal. Okay. Okay, so okay. I, I would love you to do okay. that. Okay, that's, 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 that's helpful. That's helpful. Yeah. That's helpful. Let's go back to... The statement that you made, I've heard you make in Burlington yeah. several yeah. times, that just before you yeah. were about to go down the aisle. And that was when I, again, yeah, I felt this thing inside, and I looked at my father and said, inside a voice, what are you doing? And, uh, and then looked down, and there was Jimmy standing. Um, but again, I think those moments of, again, the still small voice, or the other thing I realized, too, that 
the thing, you know, I was trying. Uh, I guess, again, that trying to, trying to do what was right, trying to, um, and again, of course, I was told that all the other was so wrong and bad. Do you see what I'm saying? And yet knowing in the deepest part of me that it was not. You're, you're not the, the other the thing that occurred to me, though, is that that, that voice that spoke to you is a voice that speaks to almost everybody who gets married. I mean, there's a sense, even either heterosexuals or... Oh, exactly. That, that, that just before, they're thinking, my God, I'm really oh, taking an I important thought, step. Yeah. No, 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 but, it wasn't that voice. This, okay. This was, no, it wasn't that because, I mean, I how, knew... How do you know that? That's how do I know I, it? Yeah. Because it came... The voice that I heard, I mean, that kind of voice, to me, comes from fear or, mm-hmm. you know, like, oh my God, what am I doing kind of thing. Right. This was a voice that was the deep place voice. It was the voice I talked about when, whenever, here, see, I'm doing it right here. As again, it's, it's the God place where I meet Connie. It was that deep, deep place that was like, oh, Janie, because, um, and I knew, Dick, I knew it was about my, who I am as a lesbian, but remember, I'm not saying I'm a lesbian now. <laughs> yes. But I knew it was from that place and not, see, because Jimmy was a wonderful man to marry, nice families, they thought our marriage was made in heaven. I mean, people said that. Even the photographer that took pictures said, oh my God, the love in this room and the family, you know, I mean, it was, it was a nice, People who knew us, loved us, loved loved it because, see, not only did they see our love, but they saw our friendship. Do you know, people say, oh, what wonderful friends, and we invited people into our relationship. Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, all the things that you hope marriage will be for people, that you don't do it in isolation, that you do it in community, that you celebrate, mm-hmm. and that you invite your friends into the all of your life, and your family. And, you know, I had taken my grandmothers to get their dresses, I mean, and met with Jim's family and his grandma. I mean, it was just, it was one of these... Weddings that everybody who came there thought it was wonderful, and there were hundreds. We had 400 people to a sit-down dinner. I mean, it was um, oh, it was a huge thing. But but you see, that was the thing. It was, and underneath the whole time, I wondered too. And having that kind of wedding day, was I trying to prove something? <laughs> you know, surely with 12 bridesmaids and 12, <laughs> surely with, you know. All the, the thing, surely it'll, surely it will be true. You know, I'm just ensuring this heterosexual marriage. And were you thinking that the other thing would go away? I was told, remember, by a therapist, right. who I figured must know that it was a phase and it will go away. Was part of you hoping it wouldn't go? Oh no! But the still small voice, just before I went on down the aisle, made me.